Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Ruin. This is Hallie. And this is Allison. And this is a podcast where we ruin a horror movie just for you every week. for you. Uh, And you guys have been such great listeners and leaving us. We've been asking you to leave us uh, five-star ratings with a spooky review. And we've been reading some of the spookier ones on the pod before we get started. And they are all really good. But I will say there are some recent entries that just... (laughs) Make us laugh a lot. And I think we've got a good one pulled up uh, that Hallie wanted to read. Um, this is uh, from Ruben T2000. So thank you for the, thank you for this, Ruben. It's called High Point of My Week. Five mm, stars. Lovely. Hi, guys. Your show is the high point of my week. So sweet. Aww. My whole family loves it. Sometimes mom and dad put the talking box right up to the door to my crawl space so I can hear every word without having to stretch my chains. Ruben, that's so nice. Lovely. Truly lovely. Oh, my gosh. That your family keeps you chained up in a crawl space. (laughs) Exactly. You know, but it's nice they're thinking of you not Mm -hmm. having to strain against your chains. Mm -hmm. So we're so glad that you get to have this moment of respite. Yes. um, As you live uh, again in the crawl space. That's very exciting. Keep those chains uh, nice and uh, loosey-goosey. And keep enjoy those keep chains loose. Keep those chains loosey goosey. <laughs> and again, um, please uh, leave us a five star review with a spooky story. We will read it eventually. We we'll get to all of them. Um, and this is not something that's going to affect the recording, I don't think. But I, as I already told Allison, I am so nauseous right now. <sighs> and I am, I, you know, it's, and I'm going to say it, it's going to sound crazy because I had headphones that were digging my earrings into my head. Yeah. And it triggered something in some weird way where I, my head doesn't hurt, but my, I am nauseous in a way that as if I'm at a, a roiling sea or something. Oh, it's so God. weird. I feel like sometimes, yeah, like stuff with your head can like trigger nausea in a way where I'm yes. like, I know it's kind of connected, but I don't understand how. Yeah, um, like in a, brutal. it's one of those things where I'm like, is it medieval science to mm-hmm. be like, Something pinched my head, and now I'm sick. You yeah, know, like, right. I, that must be true <laughs> on some level. I yeah, hope. yeah. It's probably the cornerstone of, like, female hysteria or something. It's like, no. You uh, know, my womb has been wandering. Now you mention it. But aside from the nausea, uh, you recently were at a beach. You did not yes, turn I old. Yes, I went to um, my fa- my brother's wedding. It was great. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I got a little older because I got a, a sunburn. Oh, yeah. So you like did. Like an absolute dumbass. Yeah. In this day and age, in the, our year of our Lord, 2022, but it's because, you know, we uh, we live in beautiful L.A., mm-hmm. or I do, rather. Um, I'm not outside in a bathing suit a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've been to the beach oh, uh, technically once, like right. actually in the water, since I've been here, and so I'm out here. I put some luck out, of course, but you're outside for hours. Yeah, I reapplied, and then of course you can see like the streaks oh, of yeah, where I did like, a terrible job. No one's reapplied. good at it. 
And then, of course, I had to be in wedding photos. And it's oh, like, no. boy, you know, it's just like life is just one small humiliation after the other. It, Lovely wedding, had a great really time. Is. But it's just, my arms are beet red. Oh. I tried to sort of temper down the rest of it, but mm-hmm. unfortunately my arms remain um, like little lobster claws. Um, but still had a great time. That's nice. Uh, can't can't wait to go on a vacation again when it's not still the pandemic. Yes, yes. Allison, how are you doing? I'm good. I have like my own little horror moment today. Um, I had a meeting with some new people that I don't know that was set up mm-hmm. for the middle of the afternoon, and I messed up my life schedule and hadn't eaten, and then oh, had no. to like panic, be like. We were meeting at a cafe, so I was like, it's a place that I know has food, and also the menu looked very good. And I was like, can I eat at this meeting? Like, mm-hmm. you know when it's like a new thing where we're like, oh, I don't, this is probably just like a coffee thing. Like not, and I was like, right. I kind of want to get a sandwich. And I was like texting, and I was like, I was like, do you think it's okay if I eat? To like my manager, and he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Just eat or don't, I think it's fine. And I was like, I don't know. And like the people got there, and I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm going to eat. And they were like, oh, okay, great, wonderful, eat, please. Like we're so comfortable. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't know, eating in front of somebody and then being the only person eating when other people are just having a coffee is like a, is a really horrific and embarrassing, it's not and it shouldn't be, but there's still something like odd about it. Also, it was like 3.30 and I was like, what is this meal? <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you're going to have a meeting somewhere that has food, mm-hmm. it's it's cruel to not allow people to eat. Yeah, so I, I think, think you're, you're right. fine there. I think you're right. And eating a sandwich, it's not like you're eating like French onion soup or like uh, something that requires you I to really get in there. I did also have some soup. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, well, in that case. But it was a tomato what basil. What kind of soup? A tomato basil. A oh, very, then you're fine. A very yeah. clean, easy to eat soup. I was going to say, if it's a complicated, a cheesy soup, you have no. to— you, No, 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 so many strands. A, It's like you were eating spaghetti. That would yes. be, I eating, think. I would, I would never eat spaghetti in front of somebody I didn't know very well. I, um, I'm glad. I feel like it's the— <laughs> I would eat it in front of you. Yeah, and I would look politely down until yeah. you were done, and <laughs> and that would— how That's how our friendship would continue. Yes, yes. No, I feel like I, um— I can't judge because I'm absolutely somebody who like would immediately inadvertently get the sloppiest thing. I would get like a sloppy Joe and then be in the meeting and be like, dear God, I guess I'm not <laughs> what getting have I this done? job. Yeah. Uh, but it all worked out and I got to eat oh, my good. sandwich and my soup uh, without too much shame, I guess. I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, we're also glad to be giving you more of our Scream Month. We have yes. now arrived at... The sequel that I think is my favorite of the Scream sequels. Interesting. And it is, of course, 2011's Scream 4. And the reason that I think is the preferable mm-hmm. sequel, Allison, they brought back Kelvin Williamson to write the screenplay. I think that that the original does writer. Mm-hmm. help. Not that Scream and, 3 wasn't yeah. good, but I think, like, the magic of the first two, you know, y- you need it. And exactly. that was the missing and it ties back, Yeah, and it ties back to the characters. And it just, there's something about returning to that kind of banter. That yes. really was satisfying. Yeah. And, of course, we always like to have Allison watch the trailer for the film. So what are your thoughts about the Scream 4 trailer, Allison? I mean, another stacked cast. So mm-hmm. way to go. Just every Top famous person ever is in it. I will say, like, watching it, I was like, okay, we're back in Woodsboro. It's kind mm-hmm. of a return to form. It's not a re— But I'm like, who is even 
left. Like, and because I know that, like, there is a five, which we wouldn't have known if I was, if there wasn't one out. Um, Right. So, like, I know that, like, Sydney and Dewey and Gail survive Mm -hmm. and therefore, like, aren't the killers because, like, that's just not how these movies work. Right. Um, I don't think, though. I would love to be surprised. But, like, so I'm just like, who is even left in this universe to be a sensical killer that's going to be satisfying? Like, I'm actually, like, more curious than in the other movies at who the killer is. And, you know, I think you also have to factor in, of course, we have the the old guards, but then we also have, you know, the um, our new teens, the new fresh mm-hmm. meat mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. going to be offered up on to the altar to the scream gods. And it's a really fun group of people who were famous in 2011, but much more famous now. Yes. Emma yes. Roberts, um, Nico Tortorella, who is famously in Younger and is phenomenal in that. Um, at Rory Culkin, great in yes. Scream 4. So, uh, so oh, uh, Hayden Pantatieri, I believe. With her short Pantatier. hair. Pantatier. Look at great. Super tan, short blonde hair. Very tan. So famous then and even more famous now. People were like, yes. oh, okay. Much like uh, the Timothy um, Olyphants. I would venture to say more famous then than now, but that's... Oof, okay, well... 2010, Hayden, I think, was like yeah, peak. That's like, true. Like coming off of some of that stuff so the thing well, she Emma Roberts I mean the scream queens of it all you know what I mean Truly. I'm sure she's working but I feel like you're right there was there was a moment of a heyday uh mm-hmm. and this was theirs and yes. uh we always like to take a baseline scary before we get into the film and this one again because we're doing a series it is mm-hmm. tough to be like what is the new thing you kind of know what, what we're going to get from this movie in right. a fabulous way so I guess the thing is like what how scary do you find the concept of being famous for being a victim Ooh, that is scary. And they I did yeah. clock that in the trip. It's like, you know, Sydney being kind of like the number one victim. Um, I guess like very scary because I think there's a feeling of safety of like having survived this far mm-hmm. and like everybody knowing like and being like, all right, well, like all of the killers keep dying and I'm still alive. But then like that, I think it's like a false sense of security. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, I'm from uh, outside Cleveland. I I was thinking about those three girls who were kidnapped and held hostage for years. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say the person's name, by a person who lived in Cleveland. And one of of them, they're obviously all women now, and one of them works um, to a a part of a, a larger effort to find missing children and missing people. And it's like that. What a wonderful like use, sort of, of this horrible thing. But also, you know that people are there's. You gotta have like one out of five thousand people who are super weird to you. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like if you're famous for that, and it's like you can't escape it. And most people, I'm sure, are perfectly normal and nice. But there's gotta be some people where it's like you're a celebrity in the same way that people yeah. are weird about like love Ted Bundy or like. Yeah. I was just reading this thing or watching this thing. It was basically BTK's daughter, who's like an adult woman now, uh-huh. was like, people need to stop reaching out to me. People are like befriending her father, a, a convicted serial killer in prison right. for life. And then contacting her to be like, your dad no. really wants to see, talk to you. He's like really lonely. And she's like, yeah, I bet he is. He's yeah. a serial killer. You make your bed, you lie in it, you know? So yeah. I think, unfortunately, there's always going to lose people. And that's sort of what the franchise is about in general is, like, right. people who are too interested in yes. the roles Death. that people play in a tragedy. Yeah. Yes. 
and having seen the trailer and knowing, let's be honest, that our three three returning stars are going to survive, um, <gasps> would you like to guess the twist, Allison? Guess the twist. Ugh, I mean, it can't be somebody connected to the original at this point because those people are all dead or they are Dewey Sidney Or are they? Or are they? It's like, I, I hope it's Neil, you know? I hope Neil I, snapped honestly, at the Carabiner Expo and came back and killed everybody. That's my Listen, guess. Neil could be the killer in, in four more movies. Oh, that's yes. another thing is they just announced that they are making yet another Scream uh, movie. Yet another, yes, that's right. After Scream 5. So they can make one once a year. For the next uh, yeah. hundred years, and I will see yeah. it. I will yes. die in the theater, being stabbed probably, you know, <laughs> hopefully a hundred years from now watching all the sequels. Yes. So I guess we don't, you don't even know anyone else in the movie. So it's like, how do we guess, oh, it's Hated Panty. Right. You don't know her yet. No, Boy. I don't. Because it is ten years later is what we find out. We ten ten okay, years yes. have passed. And that is what lures... Um, Sydney Prescott into a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. Because if you recall, first one happens. She's barely in college. The second one happens. She essentially graduates. It's, you know, whatever. Just a a handful of years later, Scream 3. So 10 years, she's thinking, all right, I could actually have a life. I could actually move past this. It worked. Well, Allison, we're back at Woodsboro. So let us begin. By by ruining even... (laughs) Scream for Allison, a landline rings. And Lucy Hale picks up the phone. Amazing. Fa- also fabulous. Um, is of course Ghostface, but she's of course smart enough to be like, wrong number, hangs up. She tells yes. her friend Trudy, like, we're gonna go scary tonight. We're gonna watch Saw 4. And of course, they begin to have that meta conversation where she's like, I that, that kind of torture porn shit is not scary, it's just gross. Like, mm-hmm. and, and Lucy Hale's like, no, it's fun. Like, I love Jigsaw. He's, like, so inventive. And Trudy's like, you don't care <laughs> about the jigsaw. kills. <laughs> I love Jigsaw. Icon and fashion <laughs> maven Jigsaw. Well, her argument is like, uh, or Trudy's argument, rather, is basically, yeah, the kills are inventive, but you don't actually care about the characters. And I think that's sort of setting the stage for mm. what this movie is. We okay. care about the characters, yes. so we are going to care right. about what happens to them. And, Lu- and Lucy Hale says, like, who do you keep texting? And Trudy tells her, oh, you know, my, I have, like, a Facebook stalker. Like, he was messaging me things, like, hi, you're hot. I want to kill you. <laughs> and Lucy Hale says, then block him. Like, he keeps messaging yes. me. She says, well, I did, but he just keeps, like, making new profiles, and he's really hot. However, when she shows Lucy Hale the photos, it's clearly, like, Channing Tatum's Amber Crombie-era yes. sickening abs. And yes. Lucy Hale says, that's Channing no. Tatum, you know, no. 15 years ago, you're being pugged. Suddenly, the landline rings again. Lucy picks it up. It's, of course, Ghostface. And he tells I mean, her, if you hang up on me, I'll cut through your neck until I hit, hit bone. And Lucy takes the phone and gives it, she gives it to her friend and says, it's for you. <laughs> and they both start freaking out, Good obviously. Yes. I know. They hang up, and Trudy's cell phone buzzes. She has a message from her Facebook stalker telling her, pick mm-hmm. up the phone as the landline <gasps> is ringing and ringing. Of course, oh Lucy oh makes the, the fatal miscalculation. It's just a prank. It's probably our friends doing us. They probably made that Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. Allison, the doorbell rings. No, girl. Trudy's phone buzzes, and it says, answer the door. And Lucy no. Hale opens no. the front door. Lucy. 
Luckily, there's no one there. Trudy, unfortunately, then gets a text that says, I'm not outside, I'm right beside you. Ghostface leaps out into the hallway and slices and dices Trudy and Lucy Hale. The title card hits, it's Stab Six. We then see that this is a movie being watched by two girls. They are watching Stab Six. So Stab Stab is already at six. This is, yes. So we're going to find out that— Production moves um, fast in uh, the world of Scream. (laughs) Well, so we actually find out we're already at stabs. We're going to find out we're at stab seven, basically. Okay, it's great. already been so. But we're two girls are watching stab six. Yes, and the two Got girls are, are Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin. Yes, two other icons. And Anna Paquin's like, oh my god, that was so stupid. The death of horror right in front of us. Like this is the '90s. All this like meta bullshit. And Kristen mm-hmm. Bell's like, okay, sure, maybe instead of Facebook, it should be Twitter. But I thought it was scary. There's something very real about someone with a knife. That just snaps. And Anna Paquin's like, this is bullshit. The sequels don't know when to stop. Even the opening scenes, it's so predictable. It's obviously like some dumb blonde who's going to get stabbed. And Kristen Bell reaches over and stabs Anna Paquin in the stomach. And Kristen Bell says, did that surprise you? Now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. Alice in the title card hits. It's stab seven. We just watched the intro. And now we finally see our actual cast. The girls wow. were watching Stab Seven. So two false starts. Super, I love wow. that. I was thrilled I love to it. see that. I, that's fun. And you could tell that this is our actual cast because there are two girls and they both get last names. So, you know, they're like okay. real characters. It's Jenny Randall and Marnie Cooper. And um, they're talking. They're like, oh, you know, like, oh, my God, I love all the Stab movies. Like, I And Marnie says, I thought they were based on, like, something that really happened. But, like, Stab 5 has time travel in it. Like, they suck. And <laughs> I want to see and, Stab 5. <laughs> I know. Well, they established, okay, the first three Stab movies, which we saw because in Scream 3, they're yes. making Stab 3. Right. Those were based on Sydney Prescott's actual life, but then she threatened to sue, which is why after Stab 3, the franchise sort of veered off into non-IP, sort of new Got it. ideas. Which yes. I think is also a joke that Kevin Williamson is making about, like, yes. all the other sequels suck, like, and now yeah. this will be, you know, I'm sort of return to form. Yeah. Allison, they hear a thud upstairs. And Jenny goes upstairs. She finds a window in her room open. Nothing weird about a random nope. window open, of course. Nope, nothing. The phone rings, and Ghostface, Ghostface tells Marnie, who's downstairs, "This, uh, who is this? this? Is the last person you're ever going to see alive?" It's just <laughs> Jenny upstairs using a voice modulator, like we all had in 2011. Of course, everybody bought one in 2011. <laughs> and Marnie starts chewing Jenny out until suddenly Jenny hears Marnie choking. And gargling on blood. Jenny runs downstairs. Marnie is gone. And there's just the cordless phone, which starts to ring. She picks it up and says, who is this? It's, of course, it's Ghostface. Of course. And she said this, you know, he tells her, like, you know, what's your favorite scary movie? She said, this isn't a fucking movie. What did you do with Marnie? And Ghostface says, of course this is a movie. And you're the blonde with the big tits. And you better start running. And Marty's like, I have a 4.0 GPA. I have more than just big tits. Unfortunately, suddenly Marty's dead body is thrown through the picture window from outside. Everybody and, in these movies has picture windows. And also everyone has like the strength to lift, deadlift dead a bodies and throw it with the, f- enough force to sl- f- like explode a window. It flies like 12 feet. Ghostface leaps through the window after the body and forces Jenny to run where else up the stairs. 
Allison, she almost makes it down yeah. to the other stairwell, but the killer stabs her. Mm-hmm. And she tumbles down the stairs into, of course, the garage. She crawls across the garage floor, and Ghostface mm-hmm. opens the garage door. We know where this is going. Yeah. Jenny crawls under it. He presses a button, and he squishes her before raising his knife. Cut to title card of the actual movie, Scream 4. Scream 4, finally. So we are back in beautiful Woodsboro, California, and all of these kids, as a prank, have put up all these different ghost face masks in the town square, as it is the anniversary of the original Woodsboro murders. And the kids, as all kids will do, have the time of their lives. It's Celebrating the day people were murdered. I mean, kids. (laughs) We see Sydney Prescott back finally in Woodsboro, and she's being shown a bookstore display by her publicist, Allison Brie, and we see <gasps> in the window, Allison Brie, fabulous. Allison Brie is showing her in the window of the bookstore. There's like a huge display of her of Sydney's memoir, Out of Darkness. And it is basically like her return to the public life. She's doing all these like morning TV shows. Yes. This was her memoir of like, I have finally allowed myself to heal and I, I want to be engaged in the world again. Well, unfortunately, Allison, mm. probably not after this. You know what I mean? Maybe Things are about to go, go back. crazy. Go back underground, Sid. Yeah. We see Dewey get up and get ready for work. He is now the sheriff of Woodsboro. Aww. And he is married to Gail. So Gail, yes. they have been married for 10 Good. years. They have been together. And he gets goes off to work and yells at a car as it whizzes past his house and speeding by. And inside is our new cro- hot crop of teens. We got Kirby, Hayden, Pantier. Panettiere. How do you say it? Panettiere. Kirby, played by Hayden Pantier, Jill, played by Emma Roberts, and Olivia, played by someone who I didn't look up her name. I'm sorry. I'm sure she's great. That's okay. And Kirby and Olivia are telling Jill, uh, your ex-boyfriend Trevor has been calling us because you will not answer the phone because you guys broke up. And Jill's like, yeah, I'm sorry he's doing that. Don't talk to him. Like, I'm not going to call him. So if he's calling you, I'm very sorry. That guy sucks. Yes. They tease her, basically being like, is the angel of death staying at your house? And all of them are like, Sydney Prescott's back. You know people are going to fucking die. Like, she, wherever she is, people die, which is unfair, but true. You know, it's not fair. Sydney doesn't choose that. Look, she's if, if you just look at the history and the facts, that is objectively true. <laughs> yeah. But because of her their fault. age— Exactly. Because of their age difference and the fact Sydney really has not been back to Woodsboro because of concern about this very thing happening— Yes. Jill does not really know Sydney. Like they're like they she knows they're related, but she's like, Yeah, I haven't I haven't met her since I was a child. Like mm-hmm. I don't we don't have that kind of relationship. She I haven't seen her at all. Wait, Just what is then, her relationship to Sydney? So Jill is Sydney's c- cousin. Okay. Jill is the daughter of Kate, who is Sydney's mother, Maureen Prescott's Maureen sister. Prescott. Now okay. you might ask. Well, why didn't they call Kate when they were looking about for information about Maureen in Scream 3? A well, very Allison, because good they question. hadn't decided this character would exist yet. Yes. There is and a also different person no, wrote the script. <laughs> yes. I think Kevin Williams was like, I'm not acknowledging that movie at all. Because also yep. they do not mention a please listen to our Scream 3 episode. They don't really mention the events of Scream 3, which you think would impact no. at least Sydney's approach to family. I would say. 
Also, there is no mention of Neil Prescott. I guess we're to assume that he has passed away, which I, I guess makes sense. <laughs> he would have been older at this point. Uh, but yeah, I'm not that some, old. Some interesting. Yeah, you're right. Because Cindy's like supposed to be forty or something. Like yeah, she's like our age. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, Neil, again, he's probably uh, he has built his empire, his carabiner empire. Yeah, there's no way he's not running the entire carabiner industry at this point. And he's busy. He doesn't have time yeah. to, to be in this, you know? He had to move to Zurich, of course, <laughs> in, in order to do it. So, you know, right. they've been out of touch, but they still they probably still Skype. Right. So they are teasing her. Sydney is her cousin. Jill suddenly gets a call on her cell phone. Allison is Ghostface. And Ghostface, Ghostface. asks, How does Ghostface what? get everybody's phone number? <laughs> I don't know. And also, again, to your point about this, these movies, why would anybody fucking answer the phone? Yeah. I don't answer my phone. Jill, I, I will, uh, I, even if I do, it's always a robot. It's yeah. always, always. It's a word always team. a robot. <laughs> and Ghostface asks Jill, what's your favorite scary movie? Of course. Jill hangs up, terrified. And Olivia yes. says, I just got a call like that from Marnie the Carney, which I did think was funny that they called her that this funny. morning. So, um, both, so Olivia and Jill have now gotten these threatening phone calls, and Olivia got it from Marnie, who we already saw was one of the victims. Yes. Meanwhile, in the town square, which is conveniently right next to the bookstore, because we got to have events happen nearby each other, mm-hmm. Dewey gets hit on so hard. He gets the hard press from Deputy <laughs> Judy Hicks. Okay. And she she tells him, like, wow, I wish I had been old enough to be on the force, you know, when you, the, during the original murders. Those intense investigations really bond relationships. She also Ugh. tries to offer Dewey some homemade lemon squares. And Dewey, because he's a decent man, he declines. And Deputy mm-hmm. Dick says, you're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon square. And Dewey oh, says, sure, but I would be che- cheating on my diet. It's like, girl, you, your coat on way too strong, especially so Gail So she's coming you. in hot. Coming in hot, hot and lemony. I will say I now uh, non-sexually really wish I had a lemon square here because those are some of my favorite desserts. Same here. Damn. Just then, a call comes in over the radio. Unfortunately, there have been two bodies found, two murders at the Randall house. So now Marnie and Jenny's body have been found. And the murders have officially begun back at Dewey's house. Gail is there, and she has writer's block. And she is watching Sydney on, like, a morning talk show, probably pre-recorded. And luckily, Gail won't have writer's block for very long because some shit's about to kick off. But we see her typing on, like, a Google Doc, like, I have nothing to say! (laughs) Like, panicking. I did did clock that Gail's hair is very of the era, 2010. Mm -hmm. It's like... The hair—it's like those like yes. long, loose mermaid waves that like every single person on TV and film had. A hundred percent, yeah. Like as if somebody curled great. their hair every morning and then brushed it out, basically. Yes, yes. which looks great. She looks phenomenal. She looks phenomenal. But so her fangs. Oh yeah, thankfully she moved on. Yes. Um, we find ourselves at Woodsboro High School, and we meet our movie, our geek characters. Robbie, who, again, it's 2011, so people are like, oh, go, like Google Glass, like recording everything, instant upload. Right. So he has basically like a camera, and he has like glasses, and he's recording everything. Because that's what we thought technology and teens were doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Essentially uh, YouTube, but like yes. live streaming. And we meet his uh, friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, like so many things where I'm like, these kids were on Tumblr. You know yes. what I mean? Right. 
so we also meet Charlie, played by Rory Culkin, who is his friend, and they're both sort of the, the movie nerd. And they rush up to the girls we've already met and say, what's your favorite scary movie? And we see that Charlie has this huge crush on Kirby Hayden Pantier's character, mm-hmm. but she's not giving him the time. She's kind of flirty, but, like, it's not going to work out for yeah. them. Um, at her locker, Jill is startled by her boy ex-boyfriend now, Trevor, Nico Tortorella, who begs Jill, like, please, like, can we get back together? And Jill says, bitch, you dumped me. Like, essentially, what is implied, took my virginity, mm-hmm. and then I find out you're sleeping with someone else, and you basically throw me over for somebody else. So again, the whole virginity of it all, the yes. that kind of thing. Um, and Robbie asks Trevor, what's your favorite scary movie? And Trevor turns and says, I'll show you, and, like, snarls at him. Over the bookstore, because, again, everything is like, oh, she's having a reading in the bookstore at uh, 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, and everyone's yeah. there. Okay, you know, yeah, who knows? sure. No one works or does anything else. And Sydney's finishing her reading, and Sydney's like, So, I sat down and began to write a new role that would be my own. A role for a woman who could leave the walls of fear behind and step out into the sunlight out of darkness. And that's why my life was good and nothing bad ever happened again. The end. <laughs> Everyone applauds and lines up to get their book signed. Gail's there and they, she and Cindy hug and they finally like have a real friendship. They're not like antagonists okay, in this movie. I was They're hoping. older. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Gail really put in the work. <laughs> like she's been there every time, really helping out. So she's, a, you know, a little mellowed with age, but still has her, you know, spitfire. Mm-hmm. Just then Dewey and the cops roll up. And this is the first time where Gail's like, what's going on? And Debbie Dewey says, oh, this is a police matter. Again, Gail, she's been out of the business. She's not really even working as a journalist. Right. So now she's kind of being dismissed, even though, as she says at a, at a certain point in the film, have you heard the phrase, I wrote the book on something? I literally wrote the book on this. Yes. However, <laughs> it's been at least 10 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So she kind of starts getting iced out of the investigation and it has to go on her out on her own. Dewey tells Sydney, I'm sorry, but they we've traced one of the victim's cell phones to this area. They call it, and it starts ringing from the trunk of Sydney's rental car. <gasps> they open it, and inside is the phone. A bunch of slashed-up copies of Sydney's memoir. Right. A knife. Obviously. And blood. Just a ton of blood. I'm assuming it's the victim's blood. That would make sense. Victim's blood. And then Gail immediately starts, like, what's going on? Like, craning her <laughs> neck, trying to get a, a peek into the trunk. Allison, it is beginning again. Wow. Poor Back Sid. at school, of course. I know. I know. This and also, yeah, a there's break. a certain there's a certain point where the publicist says, like, oh, the problem with Sydney is she doesn't she she never gets laid. She never takes a day off. And I'm like, oh, is Sydney alone? Is Sydney th- is Sydney single? Not that being single is sad, but I'm just like, I kinda right. I wanted her to end up with um, you know, McDreamy and, and yeah. you know what I mean, I know. be together, that kind of thing. I know. But, you know, again, that was a, the one person you meet every 10 years. doesn't always work out. Yeah. At school, all the kids' phones starts blowing up. The news of Jenny and Marnie's murders are is out. All Suddenly you see the reporters, like, driving into town, like, out for blood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gail's mouth is watering. Of course. At the police station, Gail starts sniffing around. But every at every juncture, Deputy Ju- uh, Judy is blocking her. And Gail's basically like, I know you're trying to fuck my husband, but the one thing I will not allow you to is tell me what I know about the Woodsboro murders. And they practically get into a fist fight until Dewey drags Gail into his office. And he tells her, like, 
you cannot be a part of this. You're not a reporter Aww. anymore, and I'm the sheriff, and you have to step aside. And that's cruel, but also in his defense of the, the explaining why. Correct. It is sort of like, we do need to have, like, a chain of command. And, like, you know, it's like, Boundaries. there's a lot going on. And also, I don't want you, my wife, to be murdered. Right. And Gail tells him, then I'm going rogue. And as she storms out, she snarls at Deputy Judy, and your lemon squares taste like ass. Not her best, <laughs> but definitely a very funny I think that's very funny. <laughs> Um, because they've received threatening calls, Jill and Olivia, they come into the talk to the police and be like, here's what happened. I got a call from Marnie's phone. And Kirby came with them because, eh, she's in the movie. We need her there. And Kirby says, you know, it was Ghostface voice from the Stab movies. And then Cindy walks by and, and she says, or, you know, from your life. Which right. I thought was a fun line. <laughs> I like that. And Kirby says, if I didn't get a call, does that mean I'm going to die sooner? And Dewey's like, probably not. I mean, maybe not. And like, oh my God, like, who's going to be next? Are we going to be next? And Cindy says to Dewey, I should just leave town now. Absolutely. Yes, 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 you should. Unfortunately, Deputy Dewey says, you can't leave because the evidence was found in your trunk. You are now a part of this investigation. Stay here. We will assign 24-hour watch to you. We'll see how good good that works out for her. Yeah, You have to stay in town. And Dewey agrees, we're sorry, but we will make you as safe as humanly possible. Outside, Allison Breeze, the publicist, is thrilled. She's like, oh, my God, two teens butchered. Can you believe it? This is going to be insane for book sales, you know? Oh, my God. Allison Bree. And we see her. Gail storms out of the police station, and Allison Bree fangirls to Gail. And she's like, oh, my God, like, you were my 90s. I grew up on you. Like, I'll be honest, like, I'm surprised you and Dewey are still together. I thought you were more of a movie romance, not like a real one. And she asked Gail, any plans to, for revitalizing your tarnished brand? Because <gasps> she hasn't worked in so long. Right. And Gail wheels on her and says, in about three seconds, I'm going to revitalize your face with my tarnished brand. Listen, she's ba- she's she's gearing up. She's going to be back. back at she's it. She's coming back. You know, she's she's coming back. To it. Yeah. yeah. You got to have a couple of, uh, you know, practice <laughs> runs at whipping around and saying something witty. But she's getting yeah. closer. At Jill's house, Jill and Kirby are sort of talking about Sydney with Sydney's aunt, Kate. And they're like, wow, I mean, like, she must be really covered in scars. And Kate says, you know, her mother was my sister. No one asked me about my scars. And Jill's like, mom, she means literal knife scars. And Kate's like, oh, well, okay, I I didn't know that. (laughs) Which is like, again, such a weird way. It's like, girl, I don't know. Again, we're never we haven't seen her before, so we're we're just catching up. Um, upstairs, Sydney and Dewey are sort of like talking, and Sydney's going to stay at Jill and Kate's house. So okay. they will have two cops always outside watching the house. They're all together; they can be protected. Mm-hmm. And Dewey admits to Sydney, you know, living in Woodsboro, married life, like it's kind. Of, Gail is not happy. Like she stopped writing; yeah. she's sort of stagnating, which is what the issues from the previous movies. Yes. Is, he loves Woodsboro, and he cannot live outside of it. Whenever If she's in Woodsboro, she's going to sort of lose her edge, not be a part of the world in the way that she wants. Yeah. And Sydney says, like, well, you know, like, I mean, are you worried about your marriage? And Dewey says, you know, sometimes just when things seem like they can't get any worse, they don't. I read that in a book, <laughs> Out of Darkness, by Sydney Prescott. So oh. that was cute. So Dewey heads out. Dewey should just sleep there. I mean, whatever, but yeah, he's positioned— yeah, he's, there's two cops in a patrol, a patrol car outside, 
you know, not that it stops Trevor from immediately sneaking into Jill's room. Right. And he's like, why are you staying in a house with Sidney Prescott? That's like being on Top Chef with Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, you'd be safer with me. Like, you just sneak out with me and I'll watch mm-hmm. you. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, in the back of our minds, having seen these movies, we're like, not today, Trevor. No. Sorry, boyfriend. And Sydney, uh, he he leaves. Sydney says goodnight to Jill and runs into Deputy Judy as she's, you know, Deputy Judy's leaving the house. And Deputy Judy starts standing in shadow in the hallway. And she says no. to um, Sydney, you don't remember me, do you? But then she said, oh, it's because we were in a um, production of Peter Pan in school. We went to high oh school together. I was a lost boy and you were Tiger Lily. And it's sort of like, yeah, I don't remember. I had like a lot of stuff going on in high school, if you might recall. Like, <laughs> I don't remember like, the plays so much. Busy, you know, processing my mother's murder right. and um, then having to like kill my own boyfriend <laughs> who like tried to kill me and right. my dad and all my friends. <laughs> and then still getting good enough grades to get into a college. Yes. Um, but like we have this one where Deputy Judy's like obviously weird, weirdly interested in yes. Sydney, like wants her to remember her, that kind of thing. Yes. Out in the cruiser, we meet Deputy Anthony Perkins, which is a fun nod to Psycho. That's fun. Anthony Ander- played by Anthony Anderson. Love and him. Deputy Haas, played by Adrian Brody. So we're Adrian there to have or some Adam? Fun- oh, sorry, Adam Brody, yes. So have- <laughs> Adrian Brody in this movie would be quite a twist. <laughs> oh, my God. Adam Brody. Yes. Yeah, Deputy Haas, played by Adam Brody. They're watching the house. Up in the room, uh, Jill's room, uh, Kirby and Jill watch Shaun of the Dead and kind of laugh. And Olivia lives literally right next door. She gets home, and they could so they could see each other from their bedroom windows. Mm-hmm. And they okay. say, "Do you want to come up and watch the movie?" And she's like, um, "I'm going to go to bed. The angel of death is staying in your house. Like I'll be safer in my house." And the cops are basically on the street, so like they're as right. safe as anybody. Of but- course, we see Olivia stripped down yeah. into her bra. And uh, Jill and Kirby call her pretending to be Ghostface. But obviously Olivia knows it's just a joke just and they that. all laugh. And they all talk about the secret location of the annual Stabathon movie marathon. Ooh. But Jill says, it doesn't matter to me where it is. My mom never lets me go anyways. So you guys have a good time. The Stabathon marathon is held on the anniversary of the murders. And they watch all of the Stab movies oh, at a man. secret location. It's a long night. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So while Jill is on the phone with Olivia, again, who's next door, Trevor calls Kirby's phone. Of course, it's not Trevor, Allison. It's Ghostface. Ghostface, and he tells them, this isn't fucking Trevor, and I'm standing in the closet. <gasps> and so they look, and they turn, they look, it just looks like a normal closed closet door, and they're like, don't fuck around with this. This isn't funny, Trevor. Like, And if it isn't Trevor, there are cops outside, and Ghostface says, right. I think I still have enough time to slice someone open before they could get up the stairs. Ooh. Allison, Kirby goes to the closet and throws open the door. It's empty. And Kirby's like, fuck you, you asshole. And yeah. Ghostface says, I never said I was in your closet. No. And they turn, and across the alley, Ghostface leaps out of Olivia's closet, brutally attacks her. Like, this is like the worst, like, blood spatter everywhere, throwing her across the room, stabbing her. I was like, oh, she's dead. We keep cutting back, stabbing her to death, throwing her body through the window, like, shattered glass everywhere, while Kirby and Jill scream, like, across the alley. Sydney, because she's a fucking legend, realizes what's going on, runs outside, screaming for the cops, and runs to Olivia's front porch, grabs a planter and throws it through the window to get inside to try to stop Ghostface. 
I mean, but when, a, a true hero. I, I, I would Couldn't lock be me. the door to my room. I was like, oh, no, someone's being brutally attacked. Yeah, better not get You're involved. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, at this point, it's also like, maybe I'm invincible. I don't know. Yeah, hard to Unfortunately, say. Allison, when she gets to Olivia's room, it is a bloodbath. Like, worse than we've yeah. ever seen it. Like, soaked the, like, she touches the wall and kind of, like, nauseous, like, hunkers yeah. down. And you could hear the blood squish against her hand. It's a great effect. <sighs> wow. And then Olivia's cell phone rings, which brings me to my question, Allison. Allison, what would you do? <laughs> What would you do? As Sydney? Um, yeah, I think so. I would go, no. I'm taking mm-hmm. the cops and being like, you're driving me down to the station. We're getting Dewey. Like, I'm like almost like, keep me in jail overnight, if that makes sense. Like, Honestly. It be, like, there are more people there and it's like, hard, but then of course, like you would get trapped in there and Ghost Ways would find you. Um just getting out of town. Like, I don't care. I would rather, like, have the police be like, you're not allowed to leave, and then just be like, I'll deal with that later, than hang around to see what's going to happen. Right, exactly. Like, okay, arrest me after yeah. you've arrested the person committing these murders. Yeah, yeah. Um, Focus on the I murder, guess, yeah. and I'll deal with the rest. And then more short-term, Allison, would you answer the ringing phone? No. Well, this is why we but are I'm not Sydney Prescott. Sydney and I are not one and the same, so... Right. Again, I would not even be there. I would be locked in the guest bathroom, screaming, <laughs> trying to call the cops. That's what I would be doing. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. So Sydney answers the phone, and of course, it's Ghostface. She tells him, fuck you. And Ghostface tells her, you think you're still the star, but you'll die when I want you to. And until then, you'll suffer. Hangs up. Jill runs up the stairs, having run across the alley, and sees Olivia's body and looks at Sydney and says, she said you were the angel of death. Like, you did bring death back to town. Yeah. Everything was fine for 10 years, and she was fucking right. You know, everyone yeah. is right to be afraid of it. Just then, Allison, Ghostface leaps out from nowhere and attacks them. She oh slashes God. Jill's arm. She attacks Sydney. And Sydney is, like, again, tough, like, physically fighting this motherfucker, yes. like, knocks him to the ground. Finally, deputies Hassan Perkins run up, and they chase what Ghostface out the back. <laughs> so as we find out, so after all this, do we— sort of confronts him as like, where the fuck were you? They saw Ghostface, and Ghostface sort of led him on a um, a little goose chase. A like, wild ghost chase? A little bit of a wild ghost chase, Allison. Mm. And so they were distracted, and then Ghostface doubles back. And it's like, ah, 
put four c- cops, like, then they right. need more cops. Two, you know what I mean? I don't think that two was enough either. Yes, I agree. Like, I don't want them to separate. Like, uh, they should be together, right. but also, ha- let's have another set. Let's have six. Yes. Let's have eight. Let's yeah. call next county over. Let's call yeah. the feds. Like, get, all, send get some everybody more cops there. In. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they sort of, um, tr- just then Trevor and Kirby both run in to help Jill. You know, everyone started, the cops started to descend on it. Um, at the hospital, they, uh, Robbie and Charlie roll up along with all the reporters. Like, news travels fast in a small town. Yes. And yes. Robbie's webcasting. He's like, I'm webcasting via a live video upload. You know, and right. like Jill. Nonsense sorry, tech. <laughs> exactly. And so Jill and um, Sydney are being checked into the hospital just to be checked out. You know, luckily, neither of them are too injured. But, of course, mm-hmm. all of the reporters descend on the building. Gail corners Robbie and Charlie and says, you know, I heard you two run the cinema club. She's a journalist. She finds all the information. She does. And she says, what if we work together? You give me intel on the gore geeks at the club, and I'll come by and be like your celebrity cameo. And they tell her, okay, but what if you bring Sydney? Because she's actually the star. Right. And Gail's like, um, I mean, she's a Harry Potter to my J.K. Rowling, but, oh, not to bring up another turf, but, um, yes, I will I will figure out a way to bring her, you know. And she's sort of like, I, I'm the reason this is even a thing, but, yes, I will bring Sydney. Yes. Inside the hospital, Allison Brie corners Sydney as soon as, like, the doctor checks her out. And this doctor says to Sydney, like, you know, you should take a break. Just relax for a couple weeks. And it's like, take a break from what? You, how do you live in Woodsboro and not know this is going to keep going? Like, right. She's and also not like, allowed to leave. She's not going to be like, oh, you know what? You're right. I'll just, like, go to a spa and, like— Wait, it's no, like she's a sprained ankle. None of this ankle. will come follow me. Yeah, a murderer attacked her and her niece. Like, this right. is out of— She's not, like, not doing too much issue. skiing. And it's like, whoa, right. stop skiing so much. Your knees are going to blow out. It's like, oh, you are constantly being threatened and chased down by a variety of bloodthirsty murderers who have, yeah. like, a vested interest in your death. You got to quit smoking and you got to get quit being attacked by serial killers. You yeah, know, I, I'll tell you every time you come in. <laughs> Allison Brie corners Sydney as soon as she's alone, and she's like, "Random House wants you for three more books, and you could name your fucking price." This she's like the most ruthless book publicist. She's like, yes. "You're a victim for life, so why not use it, Sydney? You could be making checks, and people could be reading your story. It's a win-win." And Sydney yeah. says, "Did you even read my book? Like, did you take right. away anything?" And Allison Brie admits, "I was, uh, I was gonna wait for the movie. She didn't read the book." Oh. So Sydney fires her ass, which is disappointing for her career-wise, but unfortunately is even more disappointing because Alice Debris now heads to the her rental car in the hospital's parking garage, oh, which no. much like the hospital in every screen movie is completely vacant of people. There's not one other person going to get their car in this like five-story parking garage. Yeah. Allison, as soon as she she's alone, Allison Bree's phone rings and it's Ghostface asking for Sydney. Allison Bree tells him, um, well, what's the message? I'm, yeah, I wasn't fired, obviously. I, um, I'm still <laughs> working with her. And she asks Ghostface, what's the message? And Ghostface tells her, you're the message. Mm-hmm. Allison Bree's not fucking stupid, so she manages to get into her car, which, of course, he's, Ghostface is, like, disabled. She can't start it. And Ghostface jumps onto the hood before disappearing. Allison, oh. when she looks around and Ghostface is gone, she gets out of the car. I mean, no. She's no. an idiot. I mean, the, a book publicist who doesn't read the book is already a stupid person. Yeah, but 
I mean, to get out of the car when you've gotten in the car and you know that that guy is on the outside of the car, at least when he disappeared. Like, there are very few ways he could now be in the car that you wouldn't know of. So just (laughs) fucking drive off. She's around. He's around. He's around, but like, you know. Allison Brie, and it panicked, obviously, makes a run for it, barely makes it back to the door leading back to the hospital, but it's locked. And she turns around just to see Ghostface sprinting at her and ramming a knife straight through her body. Oh, my God. Feature wrap on Allison Brie. Outside the hospital, Dewey is giving the typical share of speech that they all have to give. Yes. And he's saying the typical stuff. We think we think we're we were we're this close to to resolving this. Do not be afraid. Playing it down, playing it down. Mm-hmm. Gail is back in journalist mode, so she's trying to yell like, "Well, what are your thoughts on the fact that these murders seem to be following the original Woodsboro murders?" And he says, "Not now, sweetie." And of course, it's like the most condescending, so like rude. thing. Like you're married to Gail, and you think you could be like a brush off her question, right? At a Murder presser? Come on. That's like her favorite thing. <laughs> exactly. That's her favorite thing. Don't That's ruin it for Gail. That's her little so thing. Obviously, he tells everyone, gather, don't worry. You know, we're going to figure this out. There's nothing to be concerned about. Just then, Allison Bree's corpse is no. hurled off the roof of the hospital no. and flies down and crushes the roof of a news van, sending everyone screaming and I scattering. Mean, yes. Smart. And Gail tells Dewey, you let me know when you're ready to get back on Team Gail. Which, again, love her. I love and her she, so much. And then showing us that she's finally back in her real force, she shoves her way through the crowd, who just saw a woman's body fly through the air. Gail's like, Gail I've seen screams, worse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Gail screams at everyone, out of my way! <laughs> the it's next so fun. Day, the next day at Cinema Club, which I guess is held after school, sure. Robbie and Charlie are like, um, we're so excited to present Sydney Prescott and I guess her friend Gail. We don't know her so much. Um, you are, <laughs> I mean, like, this is better than meeting Jamie Lee because uh, Jamie Lee this is better than meeting Jamie Lee Curtis because, like, you actually lived through it. And Sydney's like, thank you, I guess. <laughs> like, she's obviously only doing it because Gail's like, I think this could actually lead us to some sort of information. Answers, yeah. And they, of course, because they're our new era of geeks, are sort of hypothesizing what kind of movie is this? Is this yeah. a sequel? As they say, is this a shriekwol? Okay. And they decide it's not. It's a scream make. So this is a remake, which does okay. not adhere to the rules of sequels, Allison. Right. I wish we still had Randy. I mean, these kids are great, and I'm sure they have some good theories. Yes. But, like, this is really Randy's time to shine. I wish, yeah, I wish that Jamie Kennedy's character had, like, I wish, like, Randy had, like, a long-lost cousin that looks exactly like him or something. Yes, yes, who, like, also worked at a video store and knew everything from top to bottom about horror movies and the things that happened in them. Because, like, or that he had recorded yes. a, a variety of videos that I mean, his that, I, brought I would be happy with that. Death. If they I did that, yeah, I'd be like, the future. that's fine. Yeah, I hope for, for Scream 6. We find it, they unearth another video at Heather yes. Matarazzo's house. Yes. <laughs> These are their hypotheses mm-hmm. about what the killer might potentially be doing. They're saying, okay, so again, we're, back, we're in the streaming era. The killer should be yes. filming themselves, okay? This is a stab fan, we could tell, because it's, it was hewed so closely to the original stab one. Right. This is a remake. Those kills have to be even more extreme. The body count has to be higher. But they said 
reversals become the new standard. So instead of three where it all goes back to the original story, the things that you're going to expect, they have to turn on their head because the audience right. is so sophisticated. You've yeah. seen enough of these sequels. So that means, of course, everyone is up for grab. Mm-hmm. And Robbie says, honestly, the only way to survive a horror movie in today's movie is the way I've looked at it, like calculated is you have to be gay. And of course, they're like, look around like nobody's gay. At least that we know of. And so if they are, if the killers are referencing the original. We all know where it goes from there. A party. Exactly. A party. Guaranteed third act main cast bloodbath. Fingers crossed on some nudity for a change. And luckily, Allison, then that night is the night of the biggest party of the year, the Stabathon. Yes. However, they refuse to tell Gail and Sydney the location. And I, it's sort of like, well, because you're old, but also we don't want to get canceled. And also you're a journalist, you're going to tell like our parents. Yeah. And so in protest, Gail's like, fuck you and kids. Also, like, and she drags Sydney out. everywhere. <laughs> right. That's, that, they didn't care about that. They think that no. part's cool. Right. They just and don't Gail want to get in trouble. And drags Sydney out and sort of protests. is basically, I'm going to find out where you motherfuckers are tonight. And I'm going to show up there. And I'm going to be the best goddamn reporter you've ever seen. I love Gail. Back at Jill's house, Sydney and Jill sort of have a real heart-to-heart. And Sydney tells Jill, Jill, you know how people say, I know how you feel, but they really don't. I genuinely know how you feel. Again, another great line. And they have, like, this heartfelt moment. And Jill says, you know, you saved my life. Like, when Ghostface attacked us in Livia's house, I wonder if I would be brave enough to do the same. And Sydney says, I hope you never have to find out. Mm. Well, of course she will. Of course she will. Jill is basically in lockdown, both by the police and her mother. Like, like you yeah. cannot leave. You, you already couldn't go to the Stabathon, but you were not. You were grounded. Kirby, however, rolls up to Stabathon. She calls Jill and says, "Trevor's here. Robbie and Charlie are. They're hosting. You know, everybody from school is here. Like, and we sort of learn the Stabathon drinking rules, the drinking game rules." And my favorite one is, are you ready to drink every time somebody screams, no, <laughs> and the audience cheers. And, of course, much like in um, Scream 2, mm-hmm. when they're watching Stab 1, everyone is dressed as Ghostface. So they're in, like, this barn, <sighs> like an abandoned barn. It's like, Come there's, on. like, a keg. Everyone is dressed. Everyone is drunk, like, cheering. And they're sort of, they're, it's projected on a screen. So they're, like, throwing stuff. So, of course, when you see someone dressed as Ghostface, you don't blink when there's so many Ghostface around. Right. And this Ghostface walks around and puts four different cameras to sort of, security cameras to record the proceedings. Oh, Luckily, no. this ghost face is just Gail. Okay. And Great. she goes Love to her that car. She goes to her car and she, so she has four cameras so she could capture everything. Yes. And as she's watching the feed from her four cameras, she starts to dictate into her recorder her new book. She's like, wow, after 10 years, I never thought I'd be critical once again to solving these new murders. Like, oh. so excited. Gail, just the main character of every story, no matter what. Allison, Gail suddenly looks, and a ghost face is tipping over all of her cameras, except for one. Oh. And she calls Dewey. She should have called Dewey originally. I guess it's like they're fighting, so she yeah. didn't want to call him. I'll and allow she it. she seems to want to, like, do something on her own. Like, I'm going to go do this, because right. you're not helping me. And so she calls him and says, I'm at, a, I'm at the Stabathon. It's out at this old abandoned barn. And I think the killer's going to make his move. You catch the killer and I write the book. And Dewey says, I thought you were going rogue, Gail. And Gail's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do it myself. And gets out of the car to go investigate. Oh, no, Gail. Get back in the car. Drive away. Go have a nice life. 
we see the crowd watching the same scene of Heather Graham as Casey and reciting mm-hmm. the lines along with her like we saw in uh, Scream 2. Yeah. Dewey finally gets to the barn, and Gail has found all of her cameras have been tipped over but one. Mm-hmm. And as Dewey arrives, he looks, and he happens to look in Gail's car and sees the one video camera that she's, like, setting back up. Behind her, Ghostface is running. Ghostface does a lot of running up behind people in this movie. Interesting. He's running up behind Gail, and he had sort of tipped over the camera specifically to lead her to back into to this area one. where she'd set them up. Yeah. Meanwhile, the killer has also positioned his own camera so that he is now recording this moment where he is attacking Gail. So the killer is also recording everything. Everybody's a DP at this point. <laughs> I, you know, listen, and, and that's the thing. You know, the yeah. te- if the technology is there, people are going to make films. Luckily, Gail is no slouch, and even though Courtney Cox, again, weighs 105 pounds soaking wet, yeah. she's fight physically fighting this motherfucker, and yeah. Ghostface is able to stab her only once before Dewey is able to run in and starts firing wildly into the air, sending Good. all the kids scattering and sending Ghostface running off, and he right. runs to his wife, mm-hmm. and Gail, as he sort of tries to stop the bleeding, Gail tells him Ghostface is recording the murders, He's the one making the movie. So now Ghostface has always been making the movie, but now he's quite literally filming this as his own movie. Outside Jill's house, we see Deputy Haas uh, and Deputy Perkins again. And Deputy Haas is like, no, like there's every movie, cops die. Like, this is absolutely going to be the the death of us. But Deputy Perkins is like, well, what about, you know, like um, Die Hard? You know, like Bruce Willis, the cops, he's right. a cop. He doesn't die in that. It's like, we're in a horror movie. Yeah, that's a it doesn't different matter what happens movie. To cops. Not that and, many people die in action movies. Almost everyone dies in horror movies, including cops. Yeah, Debbie's house, like, okay, well, what about cops who are about to retire? You know, like, there's a lot of situations where, like, yes, you can tell a cop is about to be killed, but Debbie Haas volunteers that he's going to make the ne- sweet next rounds around the house. And Debbie Perkins is going to stay in the car. They sort of have a debate like, well, what happens if you get killed? Well, what happens when I come back to the car and you've been killed? You know, sort of have a fun tete-a-tete. Debbie Haas does the rounds. Inside, Sydney opens the door to untangle an insanely annoying wind chime. And I was like, just leave it alone. Don't open the door. anything. Yeah, there's so many moments where I'm like, that's, it's not important enough. Don't do it. Right. However, Deputy Haas sees that there's a window cracked open in Jill's house, and he calls Perkins. Perkins does not reply. Haas returns to the cruiser to find what seems to be Perkins slumped over, but luckily he jumps up and says, Ah, I got you. I was just joking around. As they're laughing, Ghostface runs up behind Haas and stabs him to death from behind. No. And when his body collapses, Perkins looks up at him and... Ghostface stabs Perkins directly through the forehead. Oh, my God. Ah. He pull, pulls the knife out, leaving him to open the door and stagger blindly for a very long time before collapsing. And as he collapses, because Anthony Anderson, you got to give him a, a joke. Yeah. He says, fuck a Bruce Willis. And he collapses dead. So both of them have been murdered. I mean, Didn't even get great. a chance to reach for that gun. No. Or drive off. Back inside the house, Sydney hears that damn windshine again and goes to look and is startled uh, by Kate, who was out shopping. And I'm like, what? your aunt is out shopping? At night? And then 
Kate says, I'm going to go back to my car because I still have one more bag. You let your aunt go alone to get one more bag? Yeah, Sydney's like, yeah, I'll see you in a minute. Yeah, or never again. Allison, as soon as Kate walks back out to the car, the phone rings. It's fucking Ghostface. Of course it is. And he asks her, what's the point of being the survivor when everyone else you know is dead? Turn on the TV. It's a valid question. So he turns it on to see a report on Gail being stabbed and taken to the hospital. So now Sydney's like, you motherfucker, I'm going to find yeah. you. And Ghostface tells Sydney, you know, friends are great, but it's really the bonds of blood that really count. Kate and Jill, of course. Again, we, we don't know where Neil is. Nope. Could be in the, the old- could be in the great carabiner expo in the sky at this point. We have no yes. information. We don't know. But- we do know she has two family members. Sydney runs upstairs to look for Jill, only to find messages on her Mac telling Kirby to come pick her up. So Jill is now out and about on the night of Stabathon. I mean, of course she is. Neither Kate and Sydney had known. Kate comes back in with her other bag, probably full of more wind chimes, and says, <laughs> the cops are gone. <laughs> and Sydney says, let's get the fuck out of here, and rips open the door, of course, to be attacked by Ghostface. Yes, obviously. And they run through the house, and they rope, rip open the back door. Ghostface has run around to the other door, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and they're able mm-hmm. to jam the door shut, but Ghostface has, of course, got the arm out, slashing yeah, them. getting in. Finally, they're able to shut it, and, and exhausted, Kate slides down the door. Allison, Sydney goes and turns her and says, we got to get out of here. Kate has been stabbed through the mail slot through the back of her neck. By uh, Ghostface. What? And, no. And she tells Sydney, as she fucking dies, tell Jill I'm sorry. So now Kate's dead. Kate. Sydney runs out. I know. I, I had a Kate. hunch she would maybe be involved, but I obviously this is much worse. I mean, being killed is one way people could fall to something like that. I mean, yeah, she's. I, but I was thinking, like, I was like, oh, Maureen's yeah. sister, like that. really has some spoo oh, yeah. vibes, and like a lot exactly. of exactly. What has she been doing pick. this whole time? Right. Yes. How did she raise her kid? Like, what does she think about Maureen? Right. Yeah. Does, exactly. Right. We haven't like heard much about her, so like, does that upset right. her? Like, anyway. But yeah. Unfortunately, she did. She fully did. She did. So, um, Sydney runs back out the front door and finds Deputy Judy there. And it's sort of this moment of like, how did you get here so quickly? What are you doing here? Are you yes, part of this question. deputy Judy? Judy calls in Kate's death as Sydney like leads her to the body, and then she sort of turns to Sydney to apologize. We're sorry, I don't know where the cop, the the two deputies went to see, only to see Sydney peeling out on her way to find Jill. Yes, yes, good for Sydney. Also, get away At from the this hospital. Freaky exactly. Lady. At the hospital, Gail wakes up. She's alert, and she tells Dewey, promise me something that you'll catch that motherfucker. And Dewey tells her, I will. I love you. Which brings me to my question, Allison. Who will survive? Who will survive? I mean, okay, look. Obviously, Gail, Dewey, and Sydney Mm -hmm. will survive. Right. Inevitable. Here, list off who we have. Yeah, list off who's left. Okay, um, movie nerds, Charlie and Robbie. I think at least one of them dies. Okay, Kirby, best friend. I think, I don't know, it's Hayden Panettiere, so I'm like, does that mean she's going to live? She's a big star, but in every other movie, it doesn't matter. Those people are all dead. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess she dies. And then Trevor, the ex-boyfriend. He's going to die. And then Jill... 
Sydney's niece. Or sorry, I think Jill, Sydney's cousin. Cousin. I think she'll survive. Great. Okay. Of the Prescott tribe, she'll still, you know, make it. To carry on the name. Yes. Which I may, yeah, maybe isn't their name. <laughs> oh, wait, great. Their last names are is Roberts, which I thought was yeah. like a fun joke. It's like, oh, she's because Emma Roberts is, of course, Julia oh, Roberts' yeah. niece. Right. Or, or right? Niece? Yeah. Something. And so I think it's sort of like she has the famous last name. Mm-hmm. She is a famous, she is the niece of the main character. Mm-hmm. She has her uh, aunt's last name. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Now at Kirby's house, we meet up with Charlie, Robbie, Kirby, and Jill. Because yeah. Stamathon all broke up, so they all ended up at Kirby's house, you know, sort of discuss, like, oh, my God, because it's a remake, the party is the false ending. You know, like, that's the expected. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to happen at the party. Right. That's it. Because this is a remake, you can't rely on those things. And uh, Robbie, who's, again, a huge movie nerd, sees Kirby's movie collection, and they sort of trade these little, like, flirty, like, bon mots about, like, oh— who's the bigger horror movie nerd? And she tells him, like, I could trivia under the table. This will come up in a moment when she might have to do that. Mm. Suddenly, Trevor rolls up, and he said, by the way, the front door is unlocked, which seems a bad idea right now. And Jill texted me to come over so you can't be mad. And Jill's like, I didn't text you, and also, where the fuck is my phone? Oh, no. Jill goes to Kirby's car to find the phone. No. Because she's where her phone is. Everybody stay inside. Teens. Oh, back at back at um, Jill's house, Deputy Judy calls Dewey and tells him Haas and Perkins' car was found two blocks away and their bodies were inside. Both have been stabbed to death. So they have found the police officers. They are both dead. We already knew this. Yes. At Kirby's house, the teens put on stab seven because they're like, well, just because, um, you know, serial killers and loose doesn't mean we can't enjoy our stab movie marathon. Which of I mean, course it should, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's the intro we watched at the beginning with, you know, the right. of the gals, Lucy Hale. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Robbie goes outside. He has got his little like recording Google glasses, and he's recording, and he sees Charlie and Kirby are getting kind of cozy on the couch together, and they're sort of like, mm. "Oh, it's almost happening." And Charlie and Kirby almost kiss when Trevor barges back in and was like, "Where's Jill? Are you guys <laughs> watching Stab Seven? Like ruining their moment?" Yes. And Charlie kind of stomps away, fuming. Robbie is so drunk, the woman who's constantly recording, he realizes that his camera's, like, turned around and he's filming behind him. When he turns it back around, the door back door opens, Ghostface leaps out and just stabs him to death. Aww. And Robbie tells him, no, you can't do it. There are rules. I'm gay. I mean, if it helps, it doesn't Aww. help. Ghostface fucking stabs him to death. It doesn't help, but, like, what a... What a sad 
coming out story. Like, yes. You came out to Ghostface and that was it? Oh. I guess I mean, Allison, maybe he was out, you know, but it doesn't seem like that was the case. Right. Yeah. I mean, of all the people to go come out to. Yeah. Ghostface. But I guess Ghostface doesn't care. You know what I mean? No. That's the last thing. Ghostface doesn't care. Super open-minded about everything and, and <laughs> you know, non-discriminatory. Yeah, you're just a big murders. bag of blood. You know, yeah. Ghostface. He loves that. Meanwhile, Kirby's inside. She doesn't know where Jill is. She doesn't know where Trevor is. And now she definitely, Charlie has stormed off. And now, of course, she doesn't know where Robbie is. We know Robbie's outside getting stabbed to death. And she finds Jill. Jill's like, I found my phone. I Or like, I couldn't find my phone. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where Trevor is. And just then they open the front door to find Sydney. And they all barely get inside before they see Robbie dying, essentially, on the front walk. And Ghostface barreling towards the door. So they're able to shove the front door closed. This Ghostface is so athletic, is coming from such a far distance. It's crazy. Um, They get get split up, and Sydney and Jill run up to Kirby's room. And Sydney has Jill hide under the bed before shouting, you know, out as if um, Jill had jumped out the window. Run, Jill, just run and get help while Sydney herself gets up onto the roof and tries to call Dewey. And luckily, she's able to get through and be like, I'm at Kirby's house. Yeah. Ghostface is here. We are being murdered. Get here with <laughs> Deputy Judy immediately. Yeah, everyone's almost And luckily, she's dead. able to get that out before fucking Ghostface knocks her off the goddamn roof. Luckily, Great. it's only two stories. She's fine. Okay. Because Sydney is She's suffered a, a fall cousin. like that before. <laughs> yeah, and two stories. Yeah, she, Nothing I mean. for Sydney Prescott. I mean, my bones would explode into dust. Mine too. But yeah, yeah she's blast, great. But <laughs> um, because she's a great cousin, Sydney runs back inside and finds Kirby. And he, she, Kirby tells Sydney the landline's been cut, the router was smashed. I cannot get a signal, and they end up hiding downstairs, which is sort of like I don't know you call this again. I, I'm trying to ask to explain something that's like very easy, where it's like. The front of the house is on a hill, so when you go to the basement, it has, like, a full door and, you know. I do know exactly what you mean, and I don't know that there's a word for it that we would know. <laughs> right. Well, definitely not, because I don't know it. But no, anywho, know it. when they get but down I know what there, you mean. yeah, Charlie runs up to the door, and he's slamming his hands on the glass, but his hands are covered in blood. And so Kirby and Sydney are watching him like, are we going to let him in? And Sydney right. says, if you can't, if you don't know what, what is, what's going on, do not let him in. And Kirby's like, why are you blood in your hands? And Charlie says, I just found Robbie. He just got murdered. Please let me inside. Unfortunately, she says, get away from the door. And Ghostface attacks Charlie from behind, oh, smashing his head on the glass. conscious. And dragging him away. When the outside light turns on, Charlie is tied to a chair, much like Steve in the Steve? original Scream. Mm-hmm. And Kirby gets a call from Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Sydney tells Kirby, you keep him on the phone. I'm going to go get Jill, and I'll, then we could all be together. So she's basically like, yes. bye, bitch. Good luck, Kirby, with whatever the horrible things yeah, about to happen. I don't know these kids, so bye-bye. <laughs> Ghostface quizzes Kirby, and luckily she's a horror like master. And she aces mm-hmm. every question, but she blows the question about 1960s Peeping Tom, which Ghostface says is the first movie that put the audience in the killer's POV. Mm. Again, I didn't know that. That's a fun trivia. And then That's he says, and here's the final question. This is the, the last def- deciding question of whether or not this motherfucker is going to get murdered tonight. 
And the question is, name the remake of the groundbreaking horror movie in which, and then Kirby just starts rattling off every remake. And that's the joke. It's sort of like, so it's like Texas Chainsaw, When a Stranger Calls, House of Wax, like all, like dozens of of remakes. She's like, it has to be one of those, isn't it? And Ghostface falls silent. So Kirby, who is an idiot apparently, opens the door and goes out to untie Charlie. Unfortunately, when she does, Charlie stands up and stabs her in the stomach. He tells Kirby, four years of classes and now you notice me? And Kirby dies. Oh, this is incel stuff? (sighs) Upstairs, still searching for Jill, Sydney is grabbed from behind by Charlie, who has made it up the stairs, and he holds Mm -hmm. a blade to her throat. And when she's able to escape, she is suddenly stabbed by the other ghost face, Allison, who is the other killer? Is it the other deputy? It is her cousin, Jill. (gasps) It is Jill. It is Emma Roberts. Oh, Jill. And Jill reveals that both she and Charlie have uh, cameras on them. So they've been recording everything. But then he shuts it off. It's like, well, this part has to happen off camera, Sydney. And of course, luckily, we're going to get the full explanation of what the fuck they're doing. Good, because I'm like, I need answers. Yes. So Charlie, much like Neil Prescott in the original Scream, Charlie opens a door and drags Trevor out of the closet. And they reveal, Great. we're going to cut together all this footage we've been recording, we're going to make a movie out of it, and we're going to make it traceable to Trevor, who we're also going to fucking murder. We're going to pin all this on Trevor. Yes, right. They also reveal that they have a gun. So now there's a gun at play. Okay, great. And Jill, basically they're implicating Trevor. It seems like it's because he did dump Jill. And they throw Trevor on the ground and they rip off his duct tape. And Jill says to Sydney, can you imagine, Sid, a boyfriend that fucks you, dumps you, and then doesn't even make you famous? And Jill takes a gun and shoots Trevor dead. (gasps) Ooh, cold bitch. (laughs) And Jill tells uh, Sydney, ready for act three? Jill and Charlie explain. Trevor is the new Billy Loomis. Charlie and Jill are the new stars. And they are going to cut the footage together to fit their narrative. So they got what they got, and they're going to sort of build them to be the survivors and the yes. the victors. Of course, Charlie says, this time, Randy gets the girl, and he kisses Jill. So it's like the, the geek did get the girl, as alluded yes. to in Scream 2. Yes. However, they're still going to have to do what um, Billy and Stu did in the original Scream, which is stab each other to make it look like they were yes. victims as well. Yes. And so Charlie, because he's, he's love drunk— Jill says, I'll stab you first. You just have to be strong and hold still. And Charlie psychs himself up like Sue did. Yeah. He's like, shoulder me. Allison, Jill just fucking stabs him right in the chest. Oy, we saw that coming. Killing him. Yes. Exactly. And telling him, you know, what people love in a movie is a sole survivor. The way I see it is, the way the movie I'm going to put together, you and Trevor did this together. You know, you were yeah. the Billy and Stu with Trevor. He was the brooding bad boy. Yes. And you were the... Simpleton, you were like the chump yeah. that went along with them, and and Jill has this fabulous villain's speech. Well, of course, add a clip here. This has never been about killing you. It's about becoming you. You had your fifteen minutes. Now I want mine. We all live in public now. How do you think people get famous? You don't have to actually achieve anything. You just have to have something. Oh, you just have to have fucked up shit happen to you. But there's only room for one lead. Well, there's only room for one lead, and your ingenue days are over. Allison, Jill just fucking stabs Sydney, who collapses. Oh. 
So in order to, but to, start, to stage the scene to make it look like she was the final girl, right? Jill has to like uh, cut Trevor's ties, you know, wipe off her fingerprints, and then she, she basically kicks her own ass. She rips out her hair. She sta- She holds a knife against her shoulder and then slams herself against a wall, driving the blade into her shoulder. Jesus, what people Before, will do for fame. <laughs> exactly. I know, yeah. It's like, you could be on YouTube. I guess it was the beginning of YouTube. You didn't know you yeah, could be just famous. Do makeup I mean, tutorials. there's plenty of people. Yeah. Yeah, if, yeah, exactly. If only she had started doing true crime makeup tutorials, she'd be yes. bigger than she would be after this. And she fi- finishes by throwing herself on a uh, glass coffee table, which explodes <sighs> under her. So she's all cut up and bloody, and she crawls over and curls up her body like in a mimic of Sydney's, like right next to each other. Just then, Deputy Judy, Dewey, and the police show up and find the carnage, including Sydney's body. And Jill wakes up right as she's being wheeled into the hospital, and all the reporters are in her face like, oh, my God, you're the only one who survived. Camera's flashing, her dream coming true, like huge smile on her face, even though she's, like, all caught up and bloody. Yeah. In her hospital room, Dewey comes to visit Jill, and he's like, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. You know, this is... A nightmare. Luckily, it looks like Gail is going to survive. And Jill tells Dewey, if I ever write a book about this, I want to write a book with Gail. And of course, now we have our matching wounds. We both have shoulder wounds. And Dewey tells Jill the even better news. Sydney is unconscious, but we believe that she might pull through. And of course, Ooh, Jill's like, I've I mean, got to kill course. this bitch again. Dewey leaves to go check on Gail. The, Jill gets up, pulls her oh fucking God. tubes out, oh, and sets off hurts. to Sydney's room to make sure once in a row for all she's dead. Fortunately, and again, this speaks to why Gail is ultimately the main character of the franchise. Dewey visits Gail and tells her, oh, you know, Jill, Jill's looking good. And she said, oh, if she writes a book, you should write it with her because you both have matching wounds. And Gail says, how would she know where, where I was stabbed? She wasn't there. That hasn't been announced. And Dewey literally looks up and then runs out of the room screaming, shit, realizing, <laughs> of course. And look, and like, this is the problem with the Woodsboro Hospital and the hospital in many horror movies. Nobody's yes. there. There is not an attendant. There is not a doctor. There are not other patients, just like yeah, in other rooms. It's just like three people. There's not a security guard. There is fucking no one. Like, you are alone. So if something, if a murderer is in the building, it doesn't matter. You will have to physically fight them. So, and apparently they're on different floors or they're like a thousand yards away. So Dewey's running. Meanwhile, in Sydney's room, Sydney wakes up to Jill standing over her and says, why won't you die already? Who are you, Michael Myers? And then Jill jumps onto Sydney's bed and starts fucking just strangling Sydney, who is waking up out of unconsciousness. And luckily Sydney's able to throw her. Yeah, she, luckily she's able to throw Jill off of her. They start brawling, like physically just kicking each other's ass. Jill throws Sydney to the ground, and Jill smashes Dewey as he comes through the door in the head with a bedpan, knocking him to the ground, and then just bashes him until he's unconscious. Again, there's nobody in this hospital. No one can hear this is going on. Right, like right. there's always like nurses around and like even like custodial staff, like anyone Anyway, just then, Gail runs in because, of course, Gail yeah. puts it together. She runs right. in after Dewey, nearly avoids being shot by Jill, who has grabbed Dewey's service revolver as soon as he hits Great. the ground. And 
She's about, she goes to shoot Gail. Luckily, she is barely saved by Deputy Judy coming in behind her and tackling Gail, and they fly behind the other hospital bed. So Deputy Judy has made up for the fact that she's clearly trying to fuck her husband by saving Gail's life. Fine. Unfortunately, Jill now has a gun. And and Sydney points out, like, it's over. You're not going to get out of this. Like, yeah. And Jill's like, no, of course I will. I'll figure it out. I can spin this. I, I'm the one who's writing the movie. It's like, I don't, you're not going to be able to shoot four people in, in a, a hospital. hospital room. There's nobody here, of course, but eventually somebody will show up. Yes. And she makes Deputy Judy um, throw her gun over the bed. And Deputy Judy's like, hey, hey, let's not do anything crazy now. She just fucking shoots Deputy Judy, who goes oh. on like a sack of flour. So now we poor have Judy. Sydney and Gail, and poor Dewey's unconscious but alive. Right. So you hear him kind of moaning on the ground. Great. And, you know, Debbie Judy has hit the floor. Jill tells Gail, get up, get the fuck up. I'm going to enjoy blowing your head off, Gail. And Gail says, could I have one final word? And Jill says, what word, please? And Gail says, no, clear. At that moment, Sydney, who has been standing behind Jill and who has turned on the defibrillator machine, takes the two clamps, clamps the paddles to either side of Jill's head, and fucking electrocutes her, causing Jill to drop to the ground, drop the gun, collapse. Also, Gail, I mean, just on her sharp tongue game. She's here. She's arrived. It took her. Listen, she's rusty. She's back on top. But to be that it's, to be that good in a hospital <laughs> scenario under pressure, having like having suffered injuries and to like nail it so hard, oh, good for her. She's a professional. She and is. is does this probably speak to the end of their marriage? I think now that Gail's back, I think you know who knows what's going to happen. You know, now that she right. realizes that she can be Gail, uh, Gail, well, Gail, Gail Weathers, Weathers, Gail Riley now, right. And Sydney has an even better line. Uh, looking at Jill in the ground, Sydney tells Jill, you forgot the first rule of remakes, Jill. Don't fuck with the original. And Gail like and, and Sydney run over to help Dewey, and he's like, oh my God, I didn't even see her coming. She was standing right behind me. And Sydney says, they always are. And in a seamless move, grabs Dewey's gun and turns behind them and just shoots Jill, who has already gotten up and is, like, staggering from behind her, wielding of a course. giant shard of glass oh from all the God. shit they broke, throwing each other around. Jill collapses, finally dead. And Deputy Judy sits up and says, nice one, revealing that she has a bulletproof vest on. Okay, great, good. That would have been Sydney, a, that would have been a rough death where it's like she didn't yes, deserve that. Like, exactly. Not that anyone did, but like that's just yeah. a, a tough go. Yeah, and she. I think she in the end she earned it. Like, I wish has she been flirting with Dewey, sure, but I think she's earned yeah. it in as much as she did save Gail's life. And Sydney claps to the ground and looks at Jill and says, "I don't know about you, but I feel a whole lot better." In a fabulous ending moment, of course, the reporters outside the hospital don't know all this because apparently the hospital is totally soundproof, so you can't hear fucking gunplay from outside. (laughs) And all the reporters are still outside doing their reports about how Jill was this final girl, this hero, this survivor. And we we hear them say, like, we're still waiting for a statement from Jill, the only hero and survivor of what's now being called the Woodsboro Massacre reboot. Jill, you know a name that everyone will remember, and we closed it on Jill's dead face. The end. The end. Oh, I could see why this uh, is your favorite. It's so good. I love it so much. 
Um, Allison, what are some fatal mistakes you think that someone may have made in Scream 4? Fatal mistakes. I would say uh, Sydney returning to Woodsboro would be mm, high I on mean, my list. <laughs> I mean, like, I, and I, I guess it's like it's been 10 years. I assume it's over. But after, it happens once. It happens twice. It happens thrice. I think Just I would assume away. the only reason it hasn't happened again is because I haven't gone to Woodsboro, you know? Yes, right. I would I would consider it location-based, even though the third one isn't in Woodsboro, and neither is the second. But, like, it's still the— There's still something about re-engaging with your past that feels like a bad idea for Sydney. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think one of mine for me is— um, going outside to untangle a wind chime. Yes, that would be high on the list as well. I think also, like, all of the phone answering. Because if you just don't answer, like, at some point, Mm -hmm. like, Ghostface will have to either be like, okay, well, now I just have to kind of randomly attack someone, which is not his MO, or I have to go find somebody else to trick into opening a door so I can stab them. And so, like, if you just aren't answering the phone, the likelihood of Ghostface coming into your house seems lower. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to add to that, I think don't trust Ghostface. Like, you know, Kirby was on the phone and Ghostface falls silent. Don't then assume, oh, well, the the line is silent. Right. That means I'll go outside and you won't murder me immediately. Right. I won. Yeah. Don't ever think you're safer that you won. No. And certainly don't do it while you're on the phone with Ghostface because you haven't won and you are not safe. No, you are not. And then finally, Allison, where would you like to rate Scream 4 on the spooky scale, which, as we always say, is a scale about how spooky Mm. a movie is, not merely whether we enjoyed it, which, as I said, my favorite sequel, hands down. A spooky scale. I gotta say, you know, these movies are not the scariest, but there are still a lot of, like, jump scares, and this one is mm-hmm. pretty bloody. I, I'm going to give it a five. I don't remember what I gave the other one, so that might be inconsistent mm-hmm. with how I've been talking about things. But, like, it feels like a five. It's mostly fun, but, like, it's still a yeah. gory slasher fic, uh, fan fic. No, it's gory slasher flick. Yeah. That's what I was trying um, to say. I'm going to give it, you know, I'm trying to think. I'm going to give it a four. Because yeah. I do agree there are, like, the, when you see Olivia get mur- get murdered, mm-hmm. genuinely awful and scary. And it's certainly they're playing the kills much more seriously and, in general, the whole film much more seriously than Scream 3. So I right. definitely think it's a step up from Scream 3. But again, the meta yeah. element, the, the, nostal- the comfort of the nostalgia of the characters, yes. all of it is, yes. is immersing you in a warm bath of blood mm-hmm. Making it all go down so easy. So, um, guys, thank you so much for listening. And, yes. of course, you will be hearing this ahead of our live show on Sunday, February 27th, where yes. we will be doing Scream 5. Scream 5, which I would say, like, we have all the rules of, of you know, doing a fifth film, but we know that there is a sixth film forthcoming, so this is not the end of our relationship with Scream. No. Um, this will continue apace yes. permanently and forever. But get those tickets mm-hmm. to the live show at uh, momenthouse.com slash ruined. Uh, and it'll have all of the 
all of the the favorites of our of our original live shows, much like uh, Scream Four and I Hope Five has all of the elements of the original Scream. So we'll be doing drinking games and cocktails, and uh, we'll do a mocktail um, for those who don't want to participate with alcohol. Um, and the chat and merch, and of course, uh, ruining Scream Five, which is in theaters. So if you're holding out to find out what happens um, from us. Get a ticket, and it'll be up for 72 hours, and uh, come join us. Come play with us. We can't wait. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening. And again, we appreciate, um, I don't know, just we appreciate you guys listening. It means a lot to us. And um, we love you very much. And um, you. you know, I keep meaning to bring this up, and it seems like a good time as ever to Mm. ask of you all, please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can, possibly— if you don't mind, if you have time. If you could pencil us in, 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. A week Just to even, do a little, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To keep it spooky. <laughs> Please keep it spooky. It's wondering how long that bit would go on. <laughs> I feel like it went on just too long enough. Just too long enough for people to not have liked it. So, um, but please keep it to the Also, we love you. <laughs> we love you very much. Bye. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.